Hi, everyone, and welcome to the In the Shoes of podcast, where I make it my goal to see life as much as possible from someone else's point of view. Just like we all have a unique heartbeat, every single one of us sees life only from our own perspectives. Think about it. Can you see and process life exactly as Elon Musk sees and processes life? The answer is you can't, and it applies to every living conscious being here on this pale blue dot. So what is the time? It's time to get ill. Say what's the time? Actually, no, I'm not going to quote Beastie Boy songs anymore. Not in this episode anyway. It's time to talk about sex, baby. But more than just sex, we're going to talk about sexual repression, taboos, and just a whole bunch of interesting stuff with my guest in episode 17, Sarah Rose. And I'm going to mention it a couple times in the episode, but it's tantricactivation.com is where you can go and find out more about her. But anyway, let's check out the uh, the interview first, and then I'll have some show notes available for you to check out on the website and all that. Enjoy. The first question is, it's going to be, I'm going to reverse it. Usually I save this type of question to the end, but I want to start off with this one because I think it'll, uh, it'll set the mood just right for the interview here. So okay. I want to imagine that, and this is maybe takes place in probably not the near, <laughs> near too far into the future, but there's a humanoid that was developed. Like, um, But this humanoid is fully advanced and has all the capabilities of the, the human. That basically, they can do everything that a human can do, but they've just been synthetically created as opposed to being born from, you know, like the normal human way. And it's your job, and you only have a few minutes to describe, to explain this to this humanoid of how you see life. They're, they're trying to get as many different, uh, you know, views and just a grittier understanding of what life looks like on the planet and how they can navigate through it. And so how would you describe what this world is and how we interact with one another and what it actually means to be human on this planet? Mm, that's a great question. I love it. So I would describe it as this. We are storytelling beings <laughs> that we go around every day and have since for the last thousands of years creating stories and we live our lives according to these stories. And the really cool thing is that we can always choose to start to tell a new story with our life if we want to begin to live our life in a different way. And the really disempowering thing about that is when we don't know that it's a story that we're living, we can sometimes get stuck in it and feel like we're trapped. And so that's how we communicate. We communicate through our stories. We see each other through our stories. And that's where we live our lives from every day. Cool. And with the, do you think that sometimes we tell stories that are almost like we're living a false kind of story? Is that, if that makes sense? 
Absolutely. I mean, I don't know if necessarily false is the the right way because I think um, these these stories that we tell ourselves personally and the collective stories that we we live as as a species and as society, they're actually very very powerful. So I don't know. There's necessarily anything false about it, um, but it's just cool that they can be shifted and changed and altered when that's really what we desire. Of course. So when you talk about these stories, and I have a number, I, I love this. I love this thread of thought with regard to it being stories. And that's how life is really, we through seeing life through the lens of actually stories. And with, with that line of thought, then, do you think that actual reality, like things as they are, and taking away, stripping away the stories or whatever it is that however, whatever lens we use to see life, does that look fundamentally different from the various stories that we collectively say or, or tell one another or even on a personal level? Uh, does that, is there a big difference there? I believe so. I think without the stories, really what we have is our biology and the bi- biology of the earth. And so we already have that. Obviously, we all have that. The earth has that. Um, but then we we layer on to that so many other dynamics. And without all of it, really what we have is is matter and, you know, what's here and now. And um, there's energy surrounding, you know, in it all. But um, but without the stories, there's, there's a lot more presence, I think, a lot of the time of just being being in the moment. Sure, like a, a bird in nature, just right there in the moment. There is no no really story or future or past. It's just that reality right there as it exists, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um. So let's. Uh, and before I go any further, I. I uh, let me introduce you to our listeners here. Uh, this is Sarah Rose, and it is two R's, C-S-A-R-R-A-H. Um, and before even we go further, too, uh, is there, do you have a website or anything like that that you'd like to give a shout out for? I do. My website is tantricactivation.com, um, and that is uh, T-H. N T R I C and activation.com. Very cool. I, I also still need to check that out myself, but I've been, to be honest with you, I've held off because I kind of, I want this to be a road of discovery for myself too. So I've just held off on even doing it. It's probably the antithesis of what I should be doing. I should research more, but I'm like, no, I want to find, I just want to be pleasantly surprised here. So cool. I think I'm going to launch too. Uh, I want to get, but staying with the, the, the story, you know, thread here, what, if, what is your story? If you if you could encapsulate it in, you know, of course, it's going to be complex and you could probably go on for a long time. But if you could encapsulate your story within, I don't know, two to five minutes. I think my story is the human story, right? <laughs> we all have the story of the ups and the downs, the trials, the tribulations, the highs, the lows. And my story has has all of that as well. And um 
you know, it's an amazing story. It's, I grew up in a very conservative Christian uh, household and church religion um, and didn't really know anything outside of that world really even until high school. And then after high school, I knew I wanted, I knew there was so much more to the world that I wanted to experience. And the first thing I did, I was still 17 years old and I moved straight to New York City to work in the fashion industry there. And I went there and I was, I went from this very, very homogenous type of society and upbringing to extremely diverse Manhattan. (laughs) And So I like to say that I was raised uh, in Arizona where I grew up and I, but I actually grew up in New York city and I grew up pretty much overnight and I loved it. I absolutely loved every minute of it. The stimulation, just the sights, the sounds, the culture, the people, all of the different ethnicities that I was meeting and, and it all challenged everything that I had been raised with. And it really expanded my mind to how much possibility there is on the planet. And I've, I've carried that that with me throughout my life. Like since then I haven't stopped expanding and learning and meeting new and different people and trying new and different things. And so I guess all of that has brought me to this place where I am now being a sexual empowerment coach where sexuality is an area of our society that is still extremely taboo and it's very, very repressed. And there's so much hurt and shame and guilt around it and and anger around our sexuality. And so because, because of all that, I just feel like I, I can offer people a lot with the tools that I have, um, to really help heal and to move humanity forward. And what do you think are the, some of the reasons for some of the sexual taboos, especially because I I've seen it, too, especially in probably American culture and other cultures as well and um, some more conservative or restricted, I guess, in other cultures and, and some cultures much more liberal and accepting. So where do you think it, it stems from this, uh, you know, I guess, Puritan or conservative uh maybe even you're probably talking about something and leaving a little bit more where it's a just complete repression, right? Yeah. And there are a lot of different theories around that. Uh, it's something that evolutionary biologists study and, you know, you'll get one answer from one person, another answer from, from another. So it's hard to exactly pinpoint everything. Um, I have done a lot of study around it though, but it seems that that repression of sexuality comes from the onset of the patriarchy and the when i say patriarchy i always want to make this clear to people that patriarchy does not mean man men are not patriarchal some men are some men are not some women are some women are not the patriarchy is a system that's in place that it's it's laws it's guidelines it's it's ideas that that we live by as a culture um and all of us have been affected by it whether you know it's something we believe in or not and and so you know about 10,000 years ago, the advent of the agricultural society began, and we went from being a tribal 
um, tribal societies to, to being agricultural. And with that came ownership. Since we no longer shared things anymore as a tribe and we no longer supported each other as a tribe, things now need to be owned. Property was owned food was owned, homes were owned. And so it just changed the the way that humans began to view all of all of life. And and women and children became part of what was owned in that process. Um, and so, you know, it's it's a very complex <laughs> story of human sure. history and nothing happens overnight. You know, we, we definitely evolved in, in different ways to get to this place. But but it seems like there, there's a pretty good consensus that that's, that's where it began. So when you talk about, like, for instance, women and children being owned at that point in time, do you think that there is maybe some a connection between then uh, sexual repression and sexual like oppression and uh, even diving right into like because uh, we're diving we're talking about two w- what you're doing is you're trying to free people from these like taboos and unnecessary repression and then there also is the the a dark aspect of human sexuality where it becomes a, a matter of of control and power and you know when you're talking about like slave trade and things like that do you think it's there's a parallel then because of this these puritan or repressive laws that have been taken you know implemented by patriarchy that that have caused that uh, like an outcropping of that Right. So, so once we became more of an agricultural society, um, things began to develop. So like, that's where uh, we'll see the onset of sexually transmitted diseases. And so, um, some, some people say like that's one reason that monogamy became prevalent because it was necessary for us to be monogamous in order to not, you know, spread diseases. Um, because you know, and it wasn't just STDs, but but so many diseases became more prevalent once we were were being an agricultural society. Um, but then other things will say, you know, it's because of the ownership component. But either way, um, monogamy was not like the standard in tribal societies. And so like some tribes may have practiced monogamy. Some may have been, you know, polyamorous. Um, and, and so what happened was with that shift, we all had to become the same and it really repressed a lot of people. So while some people, it may feel natural and normal and good for them to be in a monogamous relationship for many, many others that did not. And their sexuality became, began to be controlled. And when you try and control anything, it doesn't usually work very well. Right. <laughs> What's being controlled typically resists and becomes angry. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you're not able to, to express freely, then our, what's happened with sexuality, what we see is it's just become very twisted and perverted in so many ways. And so that's my belief is like, that's why we see things such as the sex trade and, you know, the very dark parts of sexuality is because it is that, that sexuality that's been so repressed and twisted that it's really just become very perverted. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's a great, great explanation too. So do you think, well, if you could elaborate maybe for 
the listeners. And I, and I want to get more into, I feel like this is like a big part of your day to day. So I think this is actually, this is relevant to how you see life. Uh, I want to get your opinion on what are some of just people's, uh, like people that you work with even, uh, some of their biggest hangups. So what's, what's like some of the like top one, two or three things that are just, is it the monogamy versus poly uh, being polyamorous or what is it? Uh, I think that's, that's a conversation that is more prevalent in the urban societies, you know, so people that tend to have more progressive uh, attitudes about them are having this monogamy versus open or poly relationship type of conversation. That's definitely not the norm across all of society, though. Uh, Monogamy is still very much the the norm in most places. Um, There's one, there's one thing, though, that that really stands out is in particularly with women, women have been given the option to be sexual or to be accepted by society. So there's a sexual woman has for thousands of years not been accepted by society. And this is something that really affects women today. Even though we see you know, there's porn everywhere, there's boobs on billboards, there's, you know, naked people on TV, whatever, like sexuality is so in our face. For the women that are in these bodies and living day to day lives, they still feel that they have to make that choice. If they come out as, as owning their sexuality, then they have, they very they will very likely be shamed by society. And so it's still a really big issue for women. Um, And it's very painful because at the same time, we're also expected to be sexual. We're expected to be sexual in our relationships and to show up and, you know, want to have sex with our partner and know how to please our partner. And, you know, we're expected to maintain a standard of beauty and our society equates beauty with sexuality. And so, like, there's so much pressure from different angles and yet it's still not accepted. Even just going back to the whole, you know, um, if a woman, you know, is sexually active, all of a sudden she's a slut. But if a man is sexually active, then, oh, he's a player or whatever. And it's these connotations, these societal connotations that are like, what are you talking about? And that's that sucks to hear that that's actually still a very prevalent thing in today's day and age, because, well, obviously we're all very sexual beings and, uh, you know, it's I guess and maybe the, is it just you're, you're talking really too about objectification, you know, of women. Um, I guess what, what is the solution here? What, what needs to happen so that we actually uh, get more on level playing ground here and stop this? kind of madness when it comes to sexuality yeah <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, <laughs> like, is, a a lot of people <laughs> are asking this question and i'm i'm just grateful that the question is finally at least being asked because it means we're making steps in the right direction and for me personally i believe that 
healing is first and foremost. So a lot of the work that I do with people begins with sexual healing um, because there's one in two women have been sexually abused. So there's a lot of trauma um, that comes from abuse. And then, then additionally, there's trauma that comes from what's been expected of women as a society, as a culture, and from religions. And so there's trauma and there's so much conditioning that is keeping them caged up and it's very, very, very painful. And that pain often lashes out in anger towards the masculine. And then we have, we have those, those issues come up and um, not to say that it's not always warranted because absolutely there are definitely people out there doing very, very bad things to, to women, but obviously it's not all of the men. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I start with healing and I'm grateful to have uh, tantric practices that I use to help that I give my clients so that way they can heal. I use somatic experiencing, uh, which was uh, designed by Peter Levine. That's very effective at healing PTSD, uh, releasing trauma from the brain and from the body. And I think that's where, where it begins. We've got to start with the healing. And all of the anger that we see is a very normal, normal human response. And anger is actually very healthy um, as long as it doesn't get stuck, as long as it's expressed and, and is able to complete its cycle and we're able to move on. It's when we get stuck in anger that it becomes unhealthy. Yeah, I agree with that. And would you say that this is your your primary kind of like passion or purpose in life to help people kind of free themselves from this uh, repression and oppression? Yeah, it is. It's what I do full time. (laughs) That is so cool. Can you and so adding on to that, then can you guide us through and of course, not naming any names, but like give us a hypothetical example of what it looks like, how you would actually guide somebody. And and also, this would be a second part, so remind me of of uh, how people can get in touch with either you or or wherever that they're at in the world to reach out to someone who can actually help out with these things. So I guess just a walkthrough of how it looks like and also where people can get help when they if they need it. Okay. So yes, I have a, uh, an online course. Um, it's a seven week course that people can do, uh, from the privacy of their own home. They watch a video of me describing it. And then it's a guided audio that leads them through the practices each week for seven weeks. And, um, there's support within that as well. And I do think that it's important to have support when, when going through, um, any type of sexual healing because it's a lot and it goes really, really deep within the body and within the mind. And so, um, what I teach is a, it's a combination of breath practices and what the breath practices do is they, they actually help to soften and shut down the cortex, the thinking part of the brain. And by shutting that part of the brain down, Um, That's the part of the brain that's always trying to stay in control. And when we shut that down through breath practices, then we're able to tap into the other parts of the brain, the limbic and the primal brain. And so by being able to tap in more deeply into the deeper parts of the brain, that's where trauma is actually held. It's held in the primal brain. And so we're able to go in there and help finally release it. 
Um, I use techniques that create new neural pathways in the brain. So once the trauma is released, instead of sexuality being tied in with pain, having the neural pathway linking it to pain, we can create new neural pathways in the brain that link it to pleasure instead. So I do that. Um, uh, there's different NLP techniques that we use to help um, bring the different parts of the brain together as well. So, so everything that I do uh, brings the three parts of the brain in alignment. For instance, if you have a thought in your head, I want sexual healing. Okay, well, that's a great thought. What are you going to do about it? Because you can think it all day long. But if all three parts of the brain are in alignment, it's going to be very, very difficult to accomplish that. So that's what we're trying to do is trying to to bring it all together. And then also bring the body into alignment as well, because because we store emotions and we store trauma also in our body. And so it's a seven-part system. Um, tied in with the chakra system, which I call pleasure centers in the body. Some people call them energy centers. Uh, And it's about reawakening pleasure in all parts of the body. Um, I also use to to do that uh, five senses of reality where you're like actually visualizing what you desire, like what do you truly desire and, and holding that image in your, your mind and feeling it, tasting it, seeing it, hearing it, smelling it as if it's actually real. And then the brain thinks it is real and the brain starts to make that a reality in your physical life. So it's a very manifestation, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a complex system. I bring it all together, make it very easy to follow, very fun and enjoyable, uh, in the midst of it all. And, uh, very sexy as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And so have you seen, have you had a lot of, um, like a lot of people from around the world that have signed up and you've seen some cool, uh, really good results from it? Yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, it's life changing and it really, really helps people out a lot. Um, I have a men's course that is done and produced, but we have, we don't have it for sale yet, but the men's course, um, will be, it's also a seven week course. And that one, um, guides men through practices, um, of learning how to to really be present with their sexuality and during sexual experiences of learning the breath techniques um, of being able to um, sound and and move their bodies in ways that often men are conditioned to not be able to express themselves. So the, yeah, the men's course is very different than the women, but women's. But I'm very excited about that as well. That sounds super cool. I think a lot of men could probably benefit from that. So yeah, let me know. And I can uh, I can post something on the website too about uh, that when it's actually released. Cool. That sounds super cool. Yeah. What are, well, I could, I could ask a lot of questions about that, but I'll, I'll get to some other things I really need to get to. Um, so I want to find out when did you decide or realize that this is, this is what you needed or that it was kind of like your purpose when did you decide that how did that come about to where it's like no this is i need to do this in this world you know i think it's 
it's hard to pinpoint exactly, but I was a, a yogi for for many years. Like after I had uh, my Christian upbringing, and then I left Christianity, and then I really began practicing yoga, like so many people in the West have done, um, and went to India and did training there. Um, and then, actually, when I was in India, I I met my my guru. Um, and I was introduced to Tantra there and the classical Tantra that I'm initiated in is much broader than, than sexuality. But the one thing that about Tantra is that it's very much about going into the taboo parts of society and bringing bringing light there and going into those places where other people are afraid to go. Because most of the time when you do that, you realize like, it's actually not that scary in here. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so since sexuality is such a taboo part of our society, um, and it's where the most healing needs to be done. And by healing this part of us, the biggest change can be had for us as a species, uh, I just, it's been my thing. Like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do as a Tantrika. This is where I'm going to be focusing. My energy is bringing about this, this change to the world. Yeah. And so with regard to things that needs to be changed in the world, what, obviously this is something that, you know, this is your, your thing. And I think it's beautiful. I think it's a great thing that you're doing. What, what are some of the other things in this in this world that you feel, you know, you look at and you're like, oh, wow, we also need to change that. But I'm so glad you're focused on your, what you're doing. But like, I'm glad there are other people focused on these other things, too. What are some other things in life that you think are like, well, we need to really consider this as a species and just as for humans in general? Uh, our water supply first and foremost, you know, I mean, right. we're not going, we're not going very far fast with, without our water situation getting fixed, um, ASAP. So that's the biggest thing. And then food also the food situation, um, getting our food cleaned up. Uh, so I'd say those two things, because, you know, as human beings, if we can't breathe, if we can't eat or don't have water, we don't, can't eat, then we're not going to survive very long. We're not going to go too long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so on the flip side of that, then what are, what are some of the things that bring you that you're super ridiculously thankful for in life that just bring you, I don't know, complete and utter joy? Uh, I love dancing. That's probably my favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, just ecstatic dance, contact improv, you know, any type of, of dance that just really the body's able to move and express itself and bring life and energy into these amazing vehicles that we're in. (laughs) Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, so I want to touch on just really uh, uh, briefly too, if if you can, I want to get, so people understand out there what we're talking about when we're talking about taboos. And I know we touched on a little bit earlier, but I want to make sure that it's clarified. What what are some of the main, main if you could have a list of like, 
here are the top 10 taboos that we have here in even just American culture. What would be some of the top uh, top taboos on your list? Okay, yeah, I would say um, being actually I I've built my my course around this, and it actually ties into the seven deadly sins, and I've modernized it a bit. But for instance, insatiable desires uh, that is taboo. Like when you see somebody in society that's really going after it and they're like super passionate, there will be the people that are like, Hey, that's cool. You go, you. And then there's a lot of people that are like, uh, she's just a narcissist or who does she think she is? You know, like (laughs) a lot of that, you know, like what a big head or she, you know, like she's never going to succeed that type of thing. Of course. Um, and then, of course, sexuality, which we've touched on. And then also depression is very taboo. Like it's not cool in our society to be depressed, even though it is something that happens biologically. Scientists don't even understand what it is exactly like where like they know where it comes from in the brain, but they don't know exactly why it happens. And, you know, but there's still that puritanical part of us. It's like, Hey, get over it. Like, (laughs) who do you think you are to be laying there? There's work to do yourself up (laughs) by the bootstraps now, son. Right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, and then anger is taboo. You know, it's in the love and light you know, communities or there's just like, Oh, and we're all like love and light all the time. It's like, no, sometimes I'm fucking pissed off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That happens a lot in our, uh, you know, and I get it too. The good old wasp type families. Like, uh, it's just, yeah, don't, don't express your anger here. Otherwise, I mean like any sort show of emotion is never, is, is uh, totally a taboo. Yeah, I agree. Yep, definitely. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I would also say envy is taboo. So like if we're envious of someone, we usually hide that, you know, you don't want anyone to know. Um, But envy is actually a a really important part of us. It's part of what what helps us um, keep keep going as a species. Like we keep evolving because of envy. We see something that we want and then we start working harder, working differently so that we can get it. And it causes us to evolve. Um, That's super interesting. That's a good one for people to listen to, I think, because there is another podcast that I think it was This American Life, maybe I'll put it in the show notes. But yeah, that's a good one. I'll let you continue, though. It was actually Hidden Brain beating the green eyed monster. What happens when envy turns ugly? It's a great podcast, Hidden Brain. Check it out. Okay, cool. Yeah, I definitely would be interested in checking that out. Um, uh, oh, okay. And then greed. So I remember like when I was actually writing out the course, I was thinking back to being a little girl and being in church. And I was like, you know, taught like the greed is bad. And, and so I definitely didn't want to be greedy. But I remember like getting the catalog in the mail at Christmas time and I would like see the dolls and like I wanted them so bad and I didn't want just one. I wanted like my favorite and then I wanted her to have her friends and I wanted her to have her dog and her cat and her outfits and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, oh my God, am I being greedy, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> but then like I go to church and then I'm like being taught that I should desire to go to heaven when I die. And like, but then I'm like, okay, so I really, really, really want to go to heaven, but am I being greedy by like really, really wanting something? Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, this just isn't fair. There's like no win. <laughs> I need a win in here somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, and, and greed is one of those things also biologically that's really, um, is part of our DNA. And um, like rats have been shown to, to kill themselves because what it does like greed triggers a dopamine response in the brain. And so like whenever rats were, um, were given a lever to push that would give them this dopamine response, like they would keep pushing it over and over until they died. Like they wouldn't stop. Right. <laughs> so, like, and greed triggers, triggers that in our brain. But what we can do with any of this is to be conscious of it. And pride is the last one that I go into. And, you know, pride is uh, pride comes before a fall. You know, there are so many sayings like that. Um, but I, but it's also, it's really important to be, to be proud of ourselves to be like, Hey, like I did a badass job on, on that. And like, you know, yeah. like, it doesn't mean you have to go into narcissism or anything like that, but, but having consciousness with everything and just realizing like whatever we're conscious of isn't controlling us, but if it is in control of us, then it can be detrimental to us. Yeah, most definitely. I think it's just, you know, the difference between being proud of who you are and accepting of who you are, as opposed to being just an arrogant douchebag. And when you're an arrogant douchebag, you're kind of just, uh, there's some, there's some underlying issues going on there anyway. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah, super cool. Um, well, I won't keep you too long. I do have just one more question then, Sarah. Uh, and this will be more of a pointed question of what is, what your, if you could just describe your own once again, and you did earlier on, but I want to ask it one more time just to see, um, to make sure we all understand your perspective on life. And that's a very far ranging question, I understand. But if you could, you know, put it succinctly, I think uh, it'd be really cool to hear from you, especially considering your line of work and your purpose in life. So, one of the mottos that I live life by is say yes to pleasure. And I'm actually in a, a period right now of three months of celibacy where I have said, okay, I am going to still experience pleasure in my life, but sex is not going to be a part of that. And, um, and just kind of keeping that out of it. Um, whereas typically being my motto, say yes to pleasure, like I'm going to follow my desires, whatever they may be. And, um, I've noticed I'm two and a half months into this three month period right now. And I've noticed how my life is duller. It's like more dim because I'm not fully saying yes to my desires and saying yes to pleasure at every turn when it's available. Um, and pleasure doesn't always sex. I mean, there are many times where I'm like, no, actually my pleasure right now is in writing this email, uh, for, for my business. And like that brings me more pleasure than having sex with somebody. So it's not definitely not always that, but 
But I think like as humans, if we did more to follow our pleasure, if we did more to follow our desires, that life would be brighter and it would have more magic to it. And we would smile more, <laughs> we'd be happier, we'd be a lot easier to get along with. I know like I'm def I've definitely been more cranky the last two and a half months than I usually am. <laughs> and so say yes to pleasure. <laughs> I love that. Wow. And I'm excited for you with what, what you do and in- after the next two weeks. It's gonna be probably pretty epic. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. And um yeah, once again, it's uh, Tantric Activation, right? T-A-N-T-R-I-C activation.com. And I hope uh, whoever listens to this, you go and check it out and uh, go and buy a course. And the guys out there, check it out when we have the, when the men's uh, version of this all comes out too, right? Absolutely. Thanks for having right, me. Thank you. All right, that was Sarah Rose, episode 17 of In the Shoes Of. And if you go to intheshoesof.org and click on the show notes, you'll find that Sarah has hooked us up with a special link with a special gift just for you, my listeners. And uh, yeah, check it out. As always, thanks so much for listening. And let's roll the end. Tape. I don't think it's called tape, right? the ending of each episode the whatever you know what i'm saying all right see you next week homies hey thank you so much for checking out this episode of in the shoes of if you like or don't like the podcast feel free to leave a review or reach out to me my email is jnickel42 at gmail.com can't promise you i'll get back to you right away but i'll definitely try and get to it Anyway, thank you so much for checking it out. Until the next time, see you later.